You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. talking about the b-52s self-titled album on the line i have rob what's up ben i'm not no limburger and kyle there you are yeah the b-52s is the debut album by the athens georgia based new wave band the b-52s uh released in 1979 on warner brothers records the producer was chris blackwell and the genre is new wave, post-punk, dance rock. I'm going to read from all music reviews, Stephen Thomas Erwine. Even in the weird, quirky world of new wave and post-punk in the late 70s, the B-52's eponymous debut stood out as an original. Unabashed kitsch mavens at a time when their peers were either vulgar or stylish. The Athens Quintet celebrated all the silliness aspects of pre-Beatles pop culture, bad hairdos, sci-fi nightmares, dance crazes, pastels, and anything else that spurned into their minds to a fusion of pop, surf, avant-garde, amateurish, punk, and white funk. On paper, it sounds like a cerebral exercise, but it played like a party. The jerky, angular funk was irresistibly danceable, winning over listeners, dubious of Kate Pearson and Cindy Wilson's high-pitched, shrill, close harmonies and Fred Schneider's campy, flamboyant vocalization pitched halfway between singing and speaking. It's all great fun, but it wouldn't have resonated throughout the years if the group hadn't written such incredibly infectious, memorable tunes such as Planet Claire, Dance This Mess Around, and of course their signature tune, Rock Lobster. These songs illustrate that the B-52's adorn of camp culture wasn't simply affectionate, it was a worldview capable of turning out brilliant pop singles and in turn influencing mainstream pop culture. It's difficult to imagine the endless kitsch retro fads of the 80s and 90s without the B-52s pointing the way. But the B-52s isn't simply an historical artifact. It's a hell of a good time. All right. What do we think of the B-52s? The B-52s. Like fucking essential, man. Absolutely. Stone Cold classic. Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> this is one of the most fun records to listen to. I, I I I have a lot of fun listening to a lot of music, and I've listened to this album dozens and dozens and dozens of times over the last twenty years of my life, and yep. it never stops being so much fun. Ah, oh, it's a party! It is such a party! Party out of bounds, Kyle. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, this record was a very, very big influence on me um, when I was younger. I actually first heard this in high school. Uh, my buddy Chris and I were hanging out at his parents' house uh, listening to Nirvana's Incesticide. And his parents were like, oh, this sounds like New Wave. You guys want to hear some New Wave? And they put on this record. 
cool parents. And uh, yeah, once I heard uh, there's a moon in the sky, <laughs> I was like, and this, it's called this the moon. Is genius. <laughs> this is everybody is there. <laughs> there's a moon in the sky. It's called the moon. Saturn. <laughs> it's just. Saturn. I, oh, I love this. Including Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, oh, there's man. just m- many people know Rock Lobster. A lot of people know Planet Claire, but like the the album cuts and like like Fifty Two Girls, which is playing in our 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 headphones right now. That's probably my. I love this whole record, but I always come back to Fifty Two Girls. That's such a jammer. Song that's like a trilogy. It's just yeah. Oh, it's astonishing. Oh, dude. Dances Mess Around was uh, probably the last one for me to come around to when I first started listening to this album as a kid. Okay. But uh, I don't know why it took me so long to come around to it, because now it's like one of my, my favorite tracks on the record. I love well, it so much. Well, do you know all 16 dances now? <laughs> I, I, that was the thing, was I only knew several dances. I did not know all 16 dances. That was I the was, problem. You, you, I was you were a Limburger. <laughs> my... I love that song so much just because like Cindy Wilson's delivery, like, but her delivery is so raw and good, especially in the first half of the song. 60, late fifties, sixties, like, uh, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to kind of songs, you know? Yeah. It's like, like some Leslie Gore, some Shangri-Las. Yeah. 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 And then it, and then it becomes, I'm not no Limburger, just a limber girl. That's hilarious. <laughs> I that's uh, yeah. I've always connected to how weirdly emotionally raw that song is, and just how funny it is at the end. And it's it, I don't know. That's that song's a dream. I don't know about y'all, but I have a perma crush on Cindy Wilson, existing to this day. Not not on like like not not on 1979 Cindy Wilson. Like I've got a crush on like. 2020 Cindy Wilson. She is oh, yeah. still so fantastic. And yeah, Kyle, just like yeah, delivery you're talking about and dances mess around. I totally get it. I like I love her delivery. Yeah. And I I think that that Cindy Wilson effect really I think you'll probably agree with me, Rob, culminates on Wild Planets, Give Me Back My Man. Give me back oh, my man. Mm. Very mm. much so. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that Cindy Wilson and Ricky Wilson were related were related until today, and I guess that makes me a dumbass because they have That's the same hilarious. last name and they were in the same band. <laughs> and and like in hindsight, looking at like the album cover, oh yeah, siblings. Like I see the resemblance now. They they've they've got very similar faces. <laughs> I feel like uh, Wilson's a pretty common name in rock, though. You know, I feel like that's forgivable. And usually they're related. <laughs> Uh, I have to mention, yeah, des- dances mess around. I mean, every time he says they know all, s- they do all sixteen <laughs> dances. I just laugh and laugh That's a great too. Line. It's, it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> I love too that the B fifty two started as a almost like a almost kind of a joke band. I don't know, just going in and trying to create songs to play for their friends at parties and things. They just wanted it to be a party. And so and it was it was a party, but you can absolutely see the the humor 
uh, and the upbeat songs coming out throughout these, you know, well, let's, well, we're going to play this at a party. Let's, you know, write some songs that are fun to dance to have catchy, weird lyrics that'll make people smile and laugh. And it's, it's brilliant. I mean, it, it comes out so well. And I think, yeah, one of the, the, the factors is Cindy Wilson, her vocalizations with, a with Kate. I mean, that, that dual harmony that happens, that's the B 52s effect. And then Fred, of course, doing his thing. Those, <laughs> the, 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 the uh, Cindy and Kate, their harmonies are so close, but yeah. their voices individually are so distinct from each other. Like, if you've listened to enough B-52s, you know when it's Kate singing and you know when it's Cindy singing. Like They've got their own style, but when they sing together, you yeah. know, they just they, they fill in each other's gaps. It's so cool. I was very surprised to, to read doing research this week that they actually were into uh, the Appalachian uh, and mountain singing of harmonies and the sibling harmonies, which makes awesome. a lot of sense. I just, I guess I just assume that they uh, weren't, you know, so inspired by that, that kind of music, but because it's, this is so different, it's a different context for that, that, that kind of harmonizing. And as long as we're talking about the Wilson effect, Let's talk about how big a part of the sound of this, these early B-52s records, especially the first two, is is Ricky Wilson. And yeah. very unorthodox way of stringing up and playing a guitar. And that that for, for me, like, the, the B-52s will always sound like the B-52s. Like, uh, like with a combination of Fred and Kate and Cindy is always going to sound like B-52s. But these first few records have such a different feel to them and I, I really think that that's that Ricky influence. These are really guitar albums. Yeah. And well, there's no bass guitar. Right. If you're not familiar, uh, what, what Ricky Wilson is playing, he's got a baritone guitar. So it's like between a guitar and a bass. Uh, it's a Moserite Ventures model, uh, which is why it's got those like surf guitar tones. Uh, he strung up the first two strings and the last two strings. So it's missing all of its midtone it's missing all the middle so he should so and then he would tune it to weird tunings like weird open tunings so yeah, he, he was into Joni mitchell too or they were they were into Joni mitchell like tuning stuff so he's able to it it, it sounds like a minimalist bass player and a, and a guitar riffing along because he's got that gap between his low notes and his high notes and then he's on that that baritone guitar which is lower than the guitar anyway it's it's such a cool song and the riffs that he comes up with for like this record in wild planet, they're just infectious and nothing sounds like them. And it's, it's the combination of those weird open tunings that no one had else had figured or thought of and just taken, taken away the middle of your notes and the guitar. It that's, that's one way to get a very signature sound and it, it fucking works. I love the the guitar work on these records. Yeah. It's kind of like a weird surf. It's yeah. surf guitar, but it's mm-hmm. it's strange. You don't quite know why it sounds so off. And there there's certain songs where you can even tell more than others, like the division between him playing bass lines and guitar lines. Especially like it's not on this record, but like a uh, 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 private Idaho of Wild Plans, like like it's just him working that neck, baby. Yeah. 
Uh, I I was happy to read where Rock Lobster came from. Fred said that he went to a disco in Atlanta called 2001 Disco. Instead of a light show, they had pictures of puppies, babies, hamburgers, and lobsters on a grill. And I thought, Rock Lobster? That's a good idea for a song. And and no one else would. (laughs) Yeah. So... It's just something a genius would say. Also, uh, 1980, John Lennon called B-52s his favorite band and specifically cited Rock Lobster as an inspiration for his comeback double fantasy. He said that it reminded him of uh, of Yoko's music and it made it inspired him to get back into the to the studio. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I would never. That's one of the you know, you would never think of an artist uh, like when John Lennon just uh fixating on the b-52s but it's great you love to hear it i had never listened to this record with the intention of like figuring out what everyone's playing and yeah the um like how minimal it is and how it all fills in like the spots is pretty fucking incredible like with just like an organ a guitar a occasional hand drums a tambourine and a cowbell like because she plays uh she plays a moog with one hand and a like a farfisa i think with the other is how they do the the bass it's just a moog synthesizer that blew my mind this this week i was like wait no bass i mean i knew they didn't have a bass but i was kind of like wait where's all that bass sound coming from though (laughs) It's a combination of the the synth and and the guitar being a baritone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. earlier how we're it's it's cool that we're in the time where you can actually find the live recordings of like these bands like like you know had had the b-52s existed like you know just five years earlier there wouldn't have been any like you know vhs recordings of them doing this stuff like you know so like it's cool like that and it's very cool that people are putting these this footage up on youtube to watch for free as opposed to buying it off of ebay for you know <laughs> 30 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever um yeah i sorry that, that that's just it's a side tangent it's just like it's cool that we're in this particular spot where I, I can actually i can see what a band was doing live and what the b-52s were doing live sounds exactly like this <laughs> like yeah. the, mm-hmm. like w- what you get on this record is exactly what you would get at the show and that's uh that's pretty fucking cool yeah very stripped down approach um 
uh, with their, with their, with their, it's a minimal guitar. I mean, we, I hadn't thought about this before, but we're going to get the same idea, um, with a lot of the kitsch and the, uh, vamping on old rock and roll styles with a band like the cramps who I guess, mm -hmm. uh, Lux and, uh, Poison Ivy actually saw the, uh, B-52s for when they first played in New York and they drove 20, uh, 20 hours to go play some of their first gigs. Um, I hadn't really put that connection together because they're so ruckus. I mean, they're a completely different band, but they have a similar idea of the stripped down approach to uh, bringing a retro element, but stripping it down and, uh, and presenting it in a new way. That's a cool insight. And I totally agree with you. Like they both had, they're both aiming at like kind of different subgenres of rock and roll's history and, and their, their methods are different, but yeah, absolutely. I, I see the connections between those bands. Hopefully we'll get some cramps. We will. I would we love get, to, I would love one. to talk about the cramps. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, sorry, I misspoke before. It wasn't a Moog. It was a Korg synthesizer for bass. Korg SB100. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this band made an interesting decision, which I could I, I could see pros and cons for it, but they chose the decision, and obviously it was right for them. When when Ricky did pass in 1985, uh, instead of hiring a new guitar player, uh. Keith Strickland, who is on drums, is a multi-instrumentalist, and he would, he, him and Ricky would write a lot of the songs. And basically, he moved to guitar, and they hired a new drummer. So I guess in one way, that's it's honoring Ricky's memory by not only not like replacing him, but like keeping it in the family and just making do with what they have. On the other hand, that's yet another reason for that big stylistic shift in their music. Yeah. You know, like they didn't hire someone to be the new Ricky. They, they moved Keith to guitar and Keith isn't Ricky. You know, Keith will wants to play love shack. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, so this is the only album. Do you guys think that they should have included something like cosmic thing? I think they should have included wild planet. Well, yeah. The, yeah. The definitive B 52s for me. Yeah. I, as, I, as far the, as I like a, first two. a band that escaped the, um, the the sophomore slump uh I, I would say that you know i'd say wild planet's a better record than this one and i fucking love this record yeah like yeah um, yeah yeah it, it's i like cosmic i like cosmic thing and cosmic thing gave them their biggest hits plural but uh but i don't revisit cosmic thing mm -mm. you know like I, I, like these first two are in they've been in constant rotation for me for like the last two decades they're, they're infinitely playable they don't have the same angular kitschy party atmosphere that i think they drop all of the surf influence yeah that's yeah. that's a good mm -hmm. point they 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 go for more of a pop sensibility with with a bigger strummed guitars than they do with this uh yeah this sort of dick dale minimalism mm-hmm mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have put Cosmic Thing in this. It, it yeah, it, it's got the singles, but yeah, yeah, I'm just curious. I did think it was cool um, to learn that the way that they write songs is they just jam. They just it's a, a 
sort of an approach where they just get in a room, they just jam for hours, they record it all. And sometimes they would go back, listen to the tracks, pull out parts. Um, they said sometimes it would take a month or two just to come up with a song. Um, I can see that, yeah. Uh, it, it, I don't know. I, I guess I was a little surprised by that with some of the uh, hooks, some of the rock licks. But I guess it makes sense if you just throw out a hundred different, you know, licks, then you're going to have one that you, you gravitate towards. And I did think it was cool that they did credit, uh, was it Mancini on planet Claire because it, it's aping the Peter Gunn theme. Um, so they, oh, they put his, that, that's cool. Yeah. They put his name, the baseline. So they, they put his name on it, uh, after the fact, because it, it they, they, I mean, recognize that it's obviously the same thing. I'm glad you addressed it because I was wondering about that, but because uh, it is that same it's that same line. But uh, never, I did not bother to look into it. So thank you for that. That's cool. This album reached number three in Australia. <laughs> it did okay. Australian Australians loved this record. Yeah, good on them. I I thought it was pretty impressive too. They sold twenty thousand copies without a label, without like a major label, and so people started taking notice real quick when you're just playing parties for your friends. And then all of a sudden you're selling 20,000 records. I mean, no one sounds like TD. No one, no one had sounded like this in 1977 and no one has sounded like this since, you know, like they tapped into something that it it is purely unique to, to them, you know, and, and that's cool. And it's fun. Thrift store chic. Thrift store chic. Yep. Kitsch. Uh, There is a German word, of course, for uh, Fred Schneider's style of singing. And that is uh, Sprechgesang. It's like the half singing, half talking, uh, like circus barker thing that he's doing. (laughs) 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 yeah his (laughs) maybe we should address fred's singing (laughs) we haven't we've talked about the b52s for a while and we haven't talked about fred yet i know (laughs) (laughs) it's the most amazing flamboyant and comical singing i i've probably you know there's someone like Jello Biafra that gets pretty close to that that sort of uh, element, but man, Fred does it really well. And every everything is sort of deadpan but funny. It's he does such a good job. Yeah. I love his delivery. Uh, it does. It, yeah. I, it, I don't get sick of it. You'd think that something like that would wear off. I know you really <laughs> do, but no, he's just like. Give me some of that jukebox money. <laughs> You're like, you know, okay, if it was just him, I would, it, it would be a one trick pony for me. Yeah. But like the movie like, that they're yes. Oh in. yeah. Okay. That, well, that'll be a good segue. But yeah, if, if, if Fred Schneider was the sole front man for the B 52s, I would, I would like them as a novelty and probably that novelty would wear thin, but the fact that you've got Kate and Cindy there, 
not only like laying down awesome accompaniments for like musical accompaniments for his his shtick, but also there's there's a decent percentage of their catalog that Fred doesn't even sing on. Like mm-hmm. there, there's plenty of songs that's just yeah. the girls, yeah. and and it's yeah. nice having that reprise from like to to be able to to cleanse your palate from the Fred Schneider every every once in a while when you're listening to a B52s album. Yeah. The old owner of the mag bar clued me into a, a fun little trick. Um, if you're sick of hearing social distortion on their radio, just think of uh, the lyrics being sung by Fred Schneider and it fits <laughs> perfectly. And it, that band would be so much better. It was Take away this Fred ball and chain. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's fucking perfect. Oh no! Any lyric, any lyric is better sick, in the French Schneider voice sick with that. Boy, sick boy, world of sick boys. Story of my life. <laughs> See, story of my life. Uh, you're you're all very welcome. A lot of us uh, uh, listen to the B52s as a kid. If we watch Rocco's Modern Life. Hmm. I didn't, but yeah, that was a or little bit after Rucko's me. Modern Life. A little bit after me, man. I caught that. Yeah, that's the rest of that way. The two of us. <laughs> As a kid, I, 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 I don't know when that show was on. Probably ninety two, ninety three. But I remember I was, I was watching it, and I. As a young child, I was not necessarily a B-52s fan, but I knew the song Love Shack. And every time I watch Rocco's Modern Life, I'd be like, man, that sounds like that Love Shack band. I wonder if it is. <laughs> but like, I didn't have Google because it was 92. Uh, but I was very, I felt very vindicated as an adult when I looked into it. I'm like, oh, like nine-year-old me did know that that was B-52s. <laughs> <laughs> I found out that my uh, my wife hates this band. Really? Oh, that's so Wait, sad. With, with the, the passion of a thousand that's sons. That's sad. It's what? the uh, it's the bartender working karaoke. Uh, like this is this is a cardinal sin for karaoke, and uh, she's just well, there's can't there's Love Shack B fifty twos though, and then there's this stuff. Like Look. can 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 she compartmentalize the B fifty twos? She came in while I was playing uh, Wild Planet and just. Made the saddest face. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Um, when we were in Phoenix for the first time, uh, that was the first time I ever did karaoke. It lends itself well. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, I can kind of see what Sheila's saying, but at the same time, damn, that's a great song to <laughs> intro karaoke. It's, it's really fun to drunkenly. Do do your best, Fred Schneider, in front of a, a, a captive audience. <laughs> <laughs> T- tip your bartenders, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, 
while working on the song Love Shack, the band abruptly stopped playing, catching Sydney surprised she belted out Tin Roof over the sudden <laughs> silence and then realized that no one was playing anymore. And she finished with finished it with Rusted. Rusted. <laughs> I love it. It's the best part. I know. Uh, Just Sarah- came by accident. That's why Rusted. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to mention oh, we're not going to have any more B- B- B-52s in the book so get all your B-52s stories or asides out of the way um, Strickland did recall one of the wildest parties when they were starting up the band they said they went to so many of these parties um, just being a party band I mean that's essentially what they were going to friends uh, but he said the wildest party I remember as a friend of ours had one in the basement apartment and put about a foot uh, or maybe a half of a foot of popcorn on the floor. It was really dark. They put black plastic on all the walls and there was black light. He said, I remember at one point everybody got naked and put oil on their bodies and started rolling around in the popcorn. (laughs) It was just naked, oily bodies and popcorn listening to Captain Beefheart. A friend of ours was a filmmaker and filmed everything. I <laughs> want that, that film. <laughs> ben. So, Ben, what would you do if you ever got a time machine? Is it Kill Hitler? Kill Hitler? No, man. <laughs> I want to go back to Athens, Georgia in the mid-70s and party with the B-52s and their friends. <laughs> Sounds wild. The Offspring covered 52 girls? Yeah, they right? did. But they, but they changed the names of the girls? I haven't brought myself to listen to it. <laughs> you can't change the names of the girls. Kate and Cindy are right in there saying their own names. Dexter. <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, I was reading about the Germs and some other bands, and I had no idea the Offspring were such an early band. They're really early. What? How early is Offspring? That's like mid-80s. Really? Like 85. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Like, I caught me off guard for sure. That's a maybe long it was time a, of keeping them separated. I was going to say, maybe it was a different offspring, but it just seemed, uh, yeah, the B 52s had tons of, I mean, obviously tons of fans, but they obviously were pretty diverse from Frank Zappa, William S. Burroughs, John Lennon, uh, and Yoko Ono It's just crazy. Uh, I do. Oh, I do have a trivia. If anybody wants to attempt it for a brief period of time, Cindy took a break from the band uh, and there was an alternative singer uh, on the 1994 tour. And I can give you a hint. The alternative singer was a David Lynch staple. Is it Laura Dern? No. (laughs) Good guess. (laughs) Uh, Julie Cruz, who does a majority of uh, David Lynch, Twin Peaks uh, music. He filled, uh, she How filled was in. It? Did you listen to it? I did. I couldn't find a clip. Uh, she filled in for Cindy, and apparently, there is a clip of them performing on the Jay Leno uh, sh- Tonight Show. I got to see a few. Oh, wow. uh, that's awesome. Uh, a few years ago, B52s uh, came through Louisville and they played the Kentucky Arts Center backed by the Louisville Orchestra. And Carrie and I went, and it was awesome. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, Keith, Keith wasn't there. He's still in the band, but he's not a touring member since 2012. But uh, it was uh, Fred and Kate and Cindy, yeah, co- backed by like a three piece band, like rock band, and also the orchestra. And they played 
they played all the early hits. They played everything you wanted to hear. It was really cool. <laughs> That's amazing. That's excellent. Yeah. Go to go to YouTube, look up the um uh B52's VH1 Labor Day uh commercial and uh enjoy yourselves with that. It's it's wonderful. Actually, actually go look up any B52's performance. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That that black and white oh, yeah. footage of them doing uh give me back my man that goes around Facebook every few years that Ah. I I always click on because Mm -hmm. it's such a cool performance. I think you shared it this week, Rob. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's worth it. I love that performance uh, of that song. Yeah. Fred, Fred Schneider doing a bell tree solo. Mm hmm. So, uh, rocking the Glock when they put out their, their best of album, uh, Ben, I know, you know, this one, um, is that time capital songs for future generation? On the lighter notes, there was like a trivia contest that you could enter if you answered some questions. And one of the questions was, how many girls are named in this song? Do you guys know how many it is? In 52 I would imagine girls? 52. No. It can't be 52. That's way too many. Well, you, you, I lose track when I'm dancing. How many? Hmm. 24. That's do do you lot. remember to count Jackie? Oh, <laughs> okay. And that part confused me because she says Jack and then she says Jackie. O. and I was like, are those two separate ladies? But uh, the official count is 24. Okay. It's the official count. Now I know that at least two of the people they n- name in the song are actual people because they're members of the B 52s. Are the other names, do you know, are they just names or are they references to like their friends or, or what? Does anyone know? I They're don't know. Ladies. I was thinking since they were such a party band, I was assuming they would just name people at the party. Oh man, that's a pro move. Yeah. They yeah. would just yeah. they would just supplement uh people's people who are currently there that they knew. You got Kate, Cindy, Crystal, <laughs> Candy. <laughs> uh I should mention too the 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 B52s came from a dream uh about hairdos that was it uh strickland yeah keith strickland had a dream and in the dream he was seeing a band and the band the the women had a big hairdos like a a, like a cone like a nose of a b-52 bomber and uh he someone whispered to him because he was like oh who's the band and they said oh that's the b-52s and that's how they became the b-52s so that's awesome yeah they they wore those wigs for the first i want to say it was like the first eight years uh and then finally (laughs) it gave them up yeah they always looked fantastic though i saw them a few years ago and they definitely weren't wearing beehive wigs but i don't think it was actual hair on those those glamorous older women yeah, you gotta. You I, th- gotta. I think that it's still still like glamour wigs, but maybe yeah. not the, the 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 big bouffant style. That's my new slogan for 2020. Put a wig on it. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta put a wig on it. <laughs> you only got a few more weeks. Put a wig to get on it. <laughs> All right, I don't think I have to go around uh, and ask nah, if man. you guys are positive on this. No <laughs> Listen to more no. B52s here. Yeah, put this album yeah. on. It- Dance around. Dance the mess around. Learn all 20, 16 20. dances. You gotta learn. Don't come back to me until you've learned all 16 dances. <laughs> <laughs> Can you name all 16 dances? So good. I can't name them, but I could do them. 
just different dances I learned from watching uh, B-52's videos. Oh, speaking of B-52's videos, in the video for Love Shack, uh, one of the dancers in the Love Shack is a very young RuPaul. Love it. What? That yeah. makes sense. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> That's amazing. Love these guys. Yeah. Higher recommendation, I feel like. I, 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 I roll hard for the B-52's. All right, next time we'll be talking about Holger Zuke movies. All right, thanks, y'all.